Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here, isn't it? When we were singing just before, um, me and Michelle were whittering to each other in uh, Bemba, Zambian. Chawama ilelo. Today is a good day. It's a good day. And uh, we love being here. We love being here. Uh, I don't know about you, but I, I just enjoy being with most of you. Uh, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> so it's good to know that I'm just loved, Jess. Thanks for that. For who I am. Not what I do. So, uh, as Jess has already said, we, we're going to continue our series today. Eight steps. Eight ways to... Uh, a blessed or happy life. And uh, when John introduced it, I thought it was pretty awesome, that, isn't it? It sounds like one of those uh, things you go to in business, eight steps, or I, I don't know, how to turn your life into a happy one. Um, and as Jess has said, these, uh, these eight steps can be found in the Sermon on the Mount or, or the Beatitudes. I think it's chapter five, six, and seven in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. And as people have shared over these past weeks, We've seen how these life values, these characteristics are, are totally contrary to the present worldview. And uh, they describe, I think, a truly radical way of life that as Christians, that's us, most of us, as Christians, followers of Jesus, we're called to follow. They're not optional. And you can't pick seven and leave one out. They're all, they're all for all of us. I was reminded um, when John started the series a, a few weeks ago, uh, these words came to me, and they're from Luke chapter 12 in the message translation. And it says, I've come to change, Jesus said, I've come to change everything. I've come to turn everything right side up. Yeah? He's come to turn everything the right side up. And, and instead of conforming to this worldview, of the way things should be, we're called by Jesus, I believe, to a completely opposite kingdom view. So we don't have a worldview, church. We have a kingdom view, hopefully, about what we should do. And we have a choice, either to follow Jesus or follow the world. In the Bible, it talks it the narrow way or the broad way, doesn't it? The narrow way or the broad way. And we have that choice this morning. And uh, we are going to be looking at, I think it's number five, the fifth step to a happy life. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. What do you think of when you think of the word mercy? What comes to mind this morning? What, what, what immediately jumps in to your mind? I guess it depends where we're looking from. In, in my simple view of things, I, I immediately think of not getting the punishment that I deserve. That's what jumped into my mind. For others who are a bit more spiritual, you might be thinking uh, the ultimate act of mercy, and we've celebrated that in communion this morning. Jesus on the cross, arms outstretched, forgiving our sins, taking our punishment, taking the punishment we deserve, he took it on the cross, and he paid the price for us. Maybe for others here this morning, it might, mercy might invoke uh, thoughts of compassion, thoughts of kindness, and thoughts of forgiveness. They're all what come under this banner of mercy. And, and I really hope this morning, I mean, 
I've toiled. <laughs> I've toiled to bring something this morning. Uh, I really hope that what I bring will, will challenge and, and strengthen us in our, in our radical countercultural walk with Jesus. And I, and I sense as well for some of us, uh, there may be a release from hurt and offence as we choose to be merciful and forgive others. So let the Holy Spirit start touching your heart this morning and moving in your heart and your mind. And uh, I could think of a million times where I've not been very merciful. Every time I jump in my car and drive down the road and I find myself talking to Michelle about, look at that person there. I'm an extra careful cyclist. I'm an extra careful driver. I tell you, the roads are crazy. And uh, it's a challenge to me being merciful uh, when I jump in a car. But I thought, let's think about times that I've been shown mercy. You could perhaps think of times that you've been shown mercy. Um, there's probably been countless times that many of you in this church have shown me mercy. Um, I probably need it more than most, unfortunately. You can talk to Michelle about that on a day-to-day -day basis. But my mind went back many, many years to when I was at university. And I've told some of you this story. But when I was at uni, I lived on the fifth floor of a block of flats in the hall of residence I was in. And um, my fellow flatmates, they developed this technique of uh, throwing bags of water from the fifth floor on passers-by. And uh, yeah, it was. I got soaked more than once. And um, it was pretty bad, actually. Not just bags, but whole binfuls of uh, water out of, out of the top window of the fifth floor. So being merciful, I, I started to plot how I was going to get me on back. I thought, I've had enough. I'm not, I'm not good putting up with this anymore. And... Um, I waited one morning for my flatmates to sort of leave the corridor we were all living on. And I knew they were going off to breakfast. And I thought, this is the morning I'm going to get my own bag. So I, I got this bag, biggest bag I could find, and I filled it up with water. And it was pretty heavy. It was like almost the handles were going to snap. And I opened my window, fifth floor up, and I hung out as far as I could out of this window because I was waiting for them to come round the corner five floors down of the block of flats. And I was near enough to the end, to just, I thought I can get them. So I waited till they stepped out and I launched the bag of water. And as the bag of water flew down, it seemed to take a long time. And all my friends sort of stepped out from behind and they all walked out from behind the corner. And they all looked up and this group of cleaning staff stepped out. <laughs> Like at the end, smashed, black. I mean, they were absolutely soaked. I, I was terrified. I really was. I, I think it's one of the most scariest things that have ever happened to me. Uh, I knew I was in trouble. I was probably going to get kicked out of the hall of residence, but also out of university. All sorts of things were going on. So I hid in my room. I, I hid there thinking, and I heard the warden come, and I heard him knocking on the door next door, and then the... And I thought, I'll, I'll not go to the door, but I had to. <laughs> and I went to the door and he asked me, he said, uh, do you know anything about uh, this soaking that's just taking place of this group of cleaners? I thought, what should I do? Should I lie or should I own up? Well, I owned up. I said, it was me. <laughs> 
It was me. Graciously, he told me off. Just, just a bit. Just a bit. And he said to me, he said, I always remember this. He says, do you know how hard it is to get good cleaning stuff around here? <laughs> and I said, well, I didn't say, but it went through my head. I said, I know. I had to lean right out to get them. It was like... <laughs> He insisted I go and apologize to these cleaning staff. And when I'm talking about cleaning staff, this is a group of Russian Mossiders. I mean, these ladies were more terrifying than the warden, I tell you, I was frightened to death. So off I went to see this group of wet cleaners, and they weren't very happy with me that morning. But um, I think they could see I was terrified. They showed me mercy. Uh, I should have been punished, should have been kicked out, but they forgave me. They were really kind as I stood there trembling before them and they showed me a lot of compassion. <sighs> mercy. Mercy, mercy me. Blessed are the merciful for they shall, be, shall receive mercy. I said earlier, what these Beatitudes, they're, they're totally countercultural, aren't they? The world seems to delight in making people pay. I don't know if that's been your experience. They consider revenge is delicious. They say it's best served cold or something like that. Revenge is delicious and, and mercy, mercy is just being tame. Yeah. You're just a weakling if you, if you show mercy. It seems the world has gone mad with cancelling people. And I think you talked a bit about this the other week, John. We hear of this thing called the cancel culture. If you've not heard about it, bless you. But it seems to be everywhere these days. Um, it's where we're cancelled, rubbed out. No longer there. If they don't agree with you, if they don't look and talk like you, uh, if they don't even vote like you, uh, maybe they don't define sin the same way that you do. In fact, if you're just different, there's a chance that you might get cancelled. As Christians, we're called to be different. So we stick our heads above the pulpit, the pulpit whatever it is. Even the parapets, John, well done. We stick our heads above the parapet. We're called to be salt and light in this world. We're called to be different. And uh, if you are different, there's a chance that you will, uh, our family, uh, our communities, uh, at work or at school, or at college, in fact, anywhere that your opinion, a way of life doesn't agree with theirs, there's a chance that you will be cancelled, unfriended, switch you off. Ignore you. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. Cancel culture is not kingdom culture. Jesus doesn't cancel people. He cancels the debt of sin. That's what Jesus does. Jesus will never cancel people. His love cancels the debt of sin. He sets us free. And we're called as citizens of his kingdom to respond differently. We're called to respond with, with mercy, not anger. With compassion, not indifference. With kindness, not meanness. And forgiveness, not punishment. These are the things that we're called to show as Christians in this upside down world. And as I thought about this, Jesus doesn't actually specify when he says be merciful. He doesn't specify who to. It's everybody everywhere. He just tells you to be merciful, not to those people or those people, to everyone. 
in James, uh, we see this uh, warning. It says, so Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. In James, we read, judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. But to the one who has shown mercy, mercy triumphs victoriously over judgment. It's the opposite, isn't it? So we're going we're gonna to look at mercy in our everyday lives and how uh, we can show mercy to others. And I, I start out by saying some of these are a lot easier than others. I don't know about you. Uh, I don't know how you find showing mercy. But for some of us, it can be a bit difficult. So... Show mercy and be patient with quirks. Quirks are not some breed of people. They're, they're, they're actually uh, peculiar, irritating aspects of someone's character that we just can't stand. It's as simple as that, isn't it? Um, quirks are peculiar, irritating aspects of someone's character that we just can't stand. And I'm sure some of us are just processing that right now and thinking of one or two others. Have you noticed it's everybody else who's quirky? And weird, yeah? Have you, have you noticed that? Not, not me, it's everybody else. You show mercy when you don't get irritated with them. You show mercy when you don't get angry at their quirkiness. You show mercy when you don't get uptight with someone's quirkiness and weirdness. That's how we show mercy to the quirky. takes some patience, doesn't it? Because believe it or not, we all have these quirky things about us, don't we? And we all have our likes and dislikes. And I think it takes some patience. There's a fly buzzing, one of those tiny little flies flapping around in front of me. It's getting on my nerves. Show mercy. mercy. There you go. The truth is that this kind of mercy, mercy for the quirky, learning to get on with people, it'll take us really a long way in life as I thought about it because in our relationships with each other and I thought especially in our marriages, if you're in that fortunate situation, um, we can irritate each other so easily. In Ephesians 4, it encourages us to be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bonds of peace. Church, this morning we need to show mercy, especially in church, to those whose quirkiness, their weirdness might wind us up. And I'll say this, don't let the devil this morning cause dissension and division amongst us just because we find someone a bit odd or annoying. There's no place for that in church. And I thought about this and I thought, let the fruit of patience, the fruit of kindness, the fruit of long-suffering be the antidote this morning in our midst to quirkiness, yeah? So show mercy 
to the quirky ones, please. And uh, I thought maybe we could show mercy and help to those who are hurting and suffering this morning. Maybe this week God's going to put somebody in your path who is hurting or suffering. And they need compassion, they need kindness. They might have a, a physical, they might have emotional, they might have financial needs. And they're el- unable to help themselves. Will you show mercy to them or will you just rush round and pass them by on the other side? What will you do? In response to the question that was posed to Jesus, who is my neighbour? Who should I love? Jesus told this story of the Good Samaritan. Most of us will know that story. And I'm going to jump in uh, just after the priest and the Levite have ignored this injured man who's been beaten up by the robbers. And they, they walk by, they walk round him on the other side of the road. And it's in Luke 10 you can read that story. And he says, But a Samaritan, a foreigner, who was travelling, came upon him, the injured man. And when he saw him, he was deeply moved with compassion, it says. And he went to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them to soothe and, and disinfect his injuries. And he put him on his own pack animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii, which is like two days' wages, and he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I return. Jesus said, which of these three do you think proved himself a neighbour to the man who encountered the robbers? And the man said, the one who showed compassion and mercy to him. And then Jesus said, go and constantly do the same. Jesus tells us in this parable, this story, that helping the hurting and suffering shows compassion and mercy. If you want to know how to show compassion and mercy, we're reminded in this passage. And it doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, Jesus says, show compassion and mercy to them. And by the way, in, in Romans 12, verse 8, you need to make a note of this one. It says, when you do acts of mercy, show mercy with cheerfulness. <laughs> show it with cheerfulness, not through gritted teeth. Sometimes when we're giving ourselves, we can get up to here with it, can't we? Yeah. Jesus says, show compassion and mercy. And Romans tell us to smile and bear it. No, they don't. They say, do it with cheerfulness. Maybe this week uh, we can show mercy and kindness to those that might offend us. Do you get offended? (sighs) It's easy, I think, to get our knickers in a twist, isn't it? Uh, It's so easy, if you were knickers, that is, I suppose. Um, And there I have offended some of you already. (laughs) I'm going to say it again. It's easy to get our knickers in a twist when someone offends us. But instead of showing mercy and in dealing with it, we either offend back or we bottle it up and we start hating that other person. Have you ever done that? 
People throw their toys out of the pram. They walk away from families, from friends, the church. They even walk away from God, the loving Father, because they've been offended. I have a relative who stopped mixing with the rest of the family all because they couldn't agree whether it was pig's trotters and sheep's feet or pig's feet and sheep's trotters. And on that disagreement, and they couldn't agree the offence, they stopped meeting as family. Offence separates us, church. Offence gets in and it separates, it divides. And here's, here's what's even worse. It tarnishes our witness to non-Christians, to unbelievers. Jesus said that we're supposed to be known for our love for each other, not our bickering and squabbling. So if you're offended, get over it. Do something about it. Deal with it. There's some verses in uh, Titus chapter 3, and it says, remind people. So I'm reminding you this morning, church, to slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and always be gentle towards everyone. At one time, he says, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. He says we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And we were reminded of that again and again this morning, weren't we? Not because of what you've done, thank God, but because of his mercy, we were saved. But Titus here is reminding them how to behave, how to behave with each other, peaceable, considerate, gentle, instead of being foolish, hating and hating one another. In Luke chapter 6, uh, there's that whole story uh, where it says, how can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. Maybe we need to look at ourselves more than those that we think have offended us. And by the way, if you're kind, if you show mercy to someone who offends you, which is what we're commanded to do, incredible things can happen. Your, your response to someone can truly lead to an encounter with Jesus and God's mercy uh, may change, I believe, their life for eternity. So show mercy, not just in church, but to anybody, anywhere, family, friends, work, college, school. Show mercy. It may change somebody's life for eternity. And then I think uh, perhaps the hardest uh, thing as I've looked at this is this whole area of showing mercy and doing good to those who hurt you. 
When someone hurts you, I've said it before, we, we often want to get even or write them off, cancel them, as we, we talked about earlier. But the Bible says this in Ephesians 4, Be kind and compassionate and merciful to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind and compassionate, merciful to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And this, this was written to the church, but it applies to everyone, I believe. Wherever we find ourselves, if someone hurts you, if someone abuses you, if someone betrays you, we're commanded to show mercy and do them good. It goes beyond just showing mercy. It says, do them good. Imagine that. I think there's very little mercy in today's society, is there? Revenge is the order of the day. Hit back twice as hard at anyone who hurts you or hurts yours. We only need to look on the world stage what's going on. Twice as hard. Hit back twice as hard to anybody that hurts you and it's yours. That's not a kingdom view. Make them suffer for what they've done to you. It's not a kingdom view. Jesus uh, instructs us to show mercy and not give them what they deserve. God didn't give us what we deserve. He gave us forgiveness. God didn't give you what you deserve. He gives you forgiveness and he gives it you every day of your life. When you show mercy and you forgive someone who hurt you, you're actually following in the footsteps of Jesus. So think about it right now. Who has hurt you? Who has hurt you most in, in life? Maybe the Holy Spirit's prompting you. Who's hurting you right now? They may need your mercy and your forgiveness the most. In Matthew 5, we uh, read this. But I say to you, love, that is, unselfishly seek the best or higher good for your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We know it more as love your enemies. Love your enemies. And then we forget this bit, pray for them. Pray for them and do them good. It's more than just loving them. It's doing them good, wanting the best for them. And pray for those who persecute you. If you ever wanted to read anything that was totally countercultural, that verse up there is totally countercultural. Love your enemies, do them good, and pray for them. In a world that is revengeful, in a world that is hurting, that is what as Christians we're called to do. As Jesus hung on the cross, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And as he paid the price for your sin, he was physically abused, he was emotionally abused, and he was verbally abused. There's not one in a whole gambit of abuse that Jesus didn't suffer when he was on the cross. And yet he prayed this, Father, forgive them. 
Father, forgive them. And as believers, followers of Jesus, he wants us to do the same. He wants you to forgive those who've hurt you most. Who's hurt you? Who's hurting you right now? Bully at work, maybe? I've met a few of them in my time. The bully at work. The bully at home. At school. The abusive partner or the abusive parent. Maybe you feel shame for what's happening around you. I want you to hear this clearly this morning, if that's you. Whoever it is, whatever it is, it breaks Jesus' heart this morning. And he wants to lavish love upon you to heal your brokenness. And yet he wants us to pray for them, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Some of you are thinking right now, just a minute, John. Whoa, (laughs) whoa, I can't do that. I can't do that. You've no idea what's happening or has happened in my life. You've no idea, John. It's all right for you up there. I know I don't know. I don't. But Jesus does. And I believe he can give you the power and the strength this morning to pray with him, Father, forgive them. Only he can do that. Showing mercy and forgiveness is really difficult. I don't want to trivialise it in any way. It's the hardest thing to do. If you've ever had to do it, it's the hardest thing to do. You hear some stupid people out there that say things like, oh, just just forgive and forget and move on. Everything will be okay. Just forgive, forget, move on. If you ever see or hear anybody saying that in church, they're talking rubbish. (laughs) Forgiveness is really, really, really hard. And yet I thought about it, and there's there's just three things I want to say about it. Forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is not conditional. It's not dependent on them. Whether they ask for forgiveness or deserve it. And if you're saying to yourself, well, uh, if they do this, or if they say that, then, then I'll forgive them. That's not forgiveness. That's bargaining. That's bargaining. Forgiveness is unconditional. Forgiveness is unconditional. Nobody asked Jesus for forgiveness as he suffered unimaginable agony on the cross. And yet he endured the cross, the Bible tells us. He endured the cross and he prayed for them and for you this morning. Father, forgive them. Forgiveness does not minimise the offence. Abuse, neglect, betrayal, they're enormous wounds. They're enormous They ruin lives. They wreck people's lives. And as I said before, Jesus, Father God, he weeps over the brokenhearted. He weeps over the brokenhearted this morning. And we should never minimise or trivialise 
something that we've suffered. Never say, oh, it was nothing, it was nothing. Because it's not, is it? It's massive. It's immense. And Jesus does know what we've suffered. He does know what we're suffering. And forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Some of the hurt you've experienced, you're going to probably remember it for the rest of your life. I do. I remember stuff that happened to me, and I will probably remember it for the rest of my life. But hear this, it doesn't need to dominate the rest of your life. I really, really believe that. What has happened to you mustn't, doesn't need to dominate the rest of your life. Wounds can be healed. Wounds do heal. But scars remain, don't they? And there'll sometimes be consequences for the hurt or the abuse you've experienced. You may need to take yourself away from that situation. In fact, in the case of certain abuse, there may be legal or jail time associated with it. Church, we can be healed. The Holy Spirit is prompting you this morning. You can be healed. You can be set free from bitterness and unforgiveness, which imprisons us, not them. Bitterness and unforgiveness kills us, not them. We can move forward, church, in freedom. Many of us here can testify to being set free, the chains being taken off, no longer holding us back, and living in the freedom of being set free from hurt and abuse. Today, you can choose You have a choice to forgive and show mercy for your own sake, not theirs, for your own sake. And as I prayed about this morning, I really felt some of us would sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And I ask you now, who is he bringing to mind? Who is he reminding you of? Who is he showing you that you need to show mercy and forgiveness to this morning? We were taught as children, most of us, the Lord's Prayer. We read it in Matthew 6. Jesus taught us to pray, didn't he? Father, forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Father, forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. It says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. There's a horrible warning there, isn't there? I'd rather focus on, Father, forgive my sins as I forgive those who have sinned against me. I'm going to, I'm going to invite us to pray and I'm going to invite us to just repeat if you can, uh, a few sentences as we pray. So maybe we can just bow our heads and and as the Holy Spirit just moves amongst us and uh, as he just reminds you, as he just prompts you, uh, maybe there's somebody that you need to forgive.
I'm going to pray. Father, now come and, and, and give us the power and strength to forgive. Lord, we can't do it in our own strength. We can only do it with you, Lord. We can only forgive with you. Let's say this together. Father, forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Let's say it. Father, forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. As the Holy Spirit touches you now. Father, forgive my sins as I forgive those who sin against me. Let's say this together. Father, forgive me for my unforgiveness and hardness of heart. Father, forgive me for my unforgiveness and hardness of heart. Father, I know it's only by your power and your help that I can forgive. Lord, I'm sorry that I've got it wrong. I want to follow you. Follow your way, Jesus. And right now, as uh, we're just thinking about that, pray this in your heart. Father, I forgive them. Today, I choose to forgive whoever that is. Father, heal our hearts today. I ask that. For those that are hurting or have been hurt, Lord, I pray right now, heal our hearts. Heal our hearts, Lord, and lavish your love upon us. Holy Spirit, come and do a good thing in our hearts today. Lord, help us pray. Father, forgive them, and we pray that your love will be lavished on those who have hurt us. Lord, we need your strength. We need you. We need you, Lord. We need your power. Only by you can we pray those words. Father, forgive them. Amen. 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 If you do sense the Holy Spirit's been touching you this morning, Come and speak to myself, one of the team, somebody you've come with perhaps. You feel you just want to unburden what the Holy Spirit's been prompting in you. And I have not tried to trivialise or minimise that in any way. I know this is immense, but God can change lives. Talk to Michelle afterwards if you want to know more. Michelle's life with forgiveness, was changed. I'm sure it's true for many, but, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks.